Hey guys, this is Zach from the Azer Podcast. This is episode two. Today, Anna and I will be talking about biblical narrative as a connecting story. This will be a framework that we build off of for future episodes. Anna and I both passionately believe that the Bible is a connecting story that leads to Jesus and energizes people like us. We also, in this episode, will discuss covenants and biblical hyperlinks. You will hear about all this and more, so stay tuned and let's get into it. Hello and welcome to episode two of the Azer podcast. My name is Zach and I'm alongside my partner, like always, Anna Case. How are you doing, Anna? I'm good, Zach. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I am so excited to get into our episode two content. It's sunny outside. I, so it's just yes, all good. I am shooting this episode from Lexington, Kentucky, which is always a great place to be. So I am very excited. That's awesome. So you're hanging out with your, your dad right now. So that's really fun, too. So you're getting all the different books at half price books and (laughs) i think i've been to that store three or four times i got here on thursday night so between now and this past friday i've been in there like maybe four times and i've purchased a total of i don't know i shouldn't shout out a dollar amount but i've purchased i've spent a lot of money (laughs) this week buying an exuberant amount of commentaries and christian living books and just a bunch of things that i don't need but really really wanted so it's always dangerous letting us loose in a in a bookstore so (laughs) um but we just wanted to first of all thank everyone for the support on our first episode um it's meant a lot to me and i know it's meant a lot to anna as well um just the feedback that we're getting from different people and um, our audience continues to grow. Um, As of today, we are actually uh, live on Google podcasts. So we're not just on Apple products. We are now on Android products as well. Yeah, we want to thank you guys for leaving reviews and um, sharing this podcast with your friends and people that you think would be interested in it. We really appreciate that. You have no idea how help, how, um, how much that helps us uh, grow and get the word out there. So we are really, we are just so deeply grateful to all of you. We didn't, we weren't really sure when we started this, um, what, the, what the response would be, but we're glad that it has been positive so far. And we're glad that you guys, really resonated with that first episode so today we're gonna start down a different track our first episode was all about getting to know us about uh why we're even doing what we're doing right now and today's episode is all about the biblical story and building a framework uh that we're gonna work from in future episodes so the biblical story is is a beautiful thing it is uh you know encapsulates the entire um narrative which we find in the bible and what we find in the bible is not one book not one author not one audience but we find a god 
that collects um, these interactions um, and, and encourages and inspires these writers to write down accounts and uh, to invite readers into this wonderful thing that we call the biblical narrative. Um, it invites readers to wrestle. It invites readers to interact with biblical context. It invites readers ultimately uh, to encounter Jesus Christ through the pages of scripture. Uh, so it's this beautiful thing. Um, so Anna, I have an interesting question for uh, to kind of start off with. And my first question is uh, the Old Testament. Uh, did you grow up reading a lot of Old Testament? Were you a Old Testament fanatic? Uh, or did you grow up reading a lot of New Testament? What, what, what are, uh, what's your experience with the Old Testament? Looking back, it's kind of difficult for me to say, only because um, I am a new Christian. And so anything I read uh, growing up was something that mm. I, it was not of my own volition, um, it was something that I was told to read or we were doing family devotions and my mom sat down with my sister and I and read from a watered down children's book. Um, I'm not uh, hitting on uh, children's books. They're great. And I love them. <laughs> but, um, I'm just right. making the point that I didn't really have a deep theological um I didn't have a grasp really of right. what the Old Testament actually was. I just had the kids, the um, uh, heavily edited kids version. And, um, but what I did hear was from my sermons in, in church. I do remember hearing those. And I think for me, but I know this is true of a lot of people that a lot of us grow up with this idea of a, Old Testament God and then a New mm, Testament God. Yeah, like they're very, yeah. they're very disconnected. It's like it's almost like you're talking about two different people uh, for some reason. Like you have the vengeful and wrathful Old Testament God who seems to just want to destroy humanity at every turn, and if you mess up one time, that's it. Versus the New Testament God who is very gracious and merciful and compassionate and loving. Um, and they're, yeah, they're just, um, I, I think that the way we preach, we, we don't preach the Bible as one overarching connecting narrative. And so it's easy to see, to view them as two completely separate things. And so that was kind of my experience with the old Testament. I was kind of afraid of it. Um, it made me afraid of God, which mm, I think the fear yeah. of God is a healthy thing to have. And the Bible Proverbs talks a lot, Proverbs and Psalms talk a lot about fear, like having a healthy fear of the Lord, right. but it wasn't so much a fear of God that I had as just being afraid of him, which is a different thing. Um, and so I think when you have, um, that sterner, more fundamentalist kind of teaching it's very easy for that to creep in and that was definitely my experience Mm. yeah and I think that's a like you said a lot of people's experience with the with the old testament so of course the bible is a a collection of 66 total books and out of those 66 39 of them compose the old testament so that's over half 
of the uh, completed work of the Bible. Um, so uh, the Old Testament was something growing up I shied away from. Because like you said, it, it seems like it was a different God, right? Mm-hmm. How could that God of the Old Testament also be Jesus, um, right. who, who has come to, to hang out with humans? Um, and uh, throughout that, um, my time growing within my faith, I have found a deep, deep appreciation and a, almost a, comf- a deep comfort, too, mm-hmm. uh, with reading Old Testament Uh, story narratives Um, getting to see Yahweh the Hebrew name of God uh, interacting with these people that he creates a covenant or a agreement with um, and and just seeing these imperfect people partnering with God um, I found myself really relating to a lot of these stories um, at a such a deeper level getting to know the context of these uh these books and then to see how these books connect to these new testament books open my eyes even further seeing it as a connected narrative uh so again i like i said i i'm a lot like you i grew up kind of shying away from it or hearing a watered down kids version um, and it was typically, you know, the stories in which you can create a watered down kids version of uh, Jonah, Noah. Um, and uh, but then growing up, of course, I see the depth and the beauty of it. Um, and and I really love uh, I'm passionate about getting to the heart of stuff like that. Definitely. And when you talk about um, a God who. um He's very, you're, you made the point that our God is a God who interacts with us. He's right. not one who just, you know, sits up in the sky and sends down his like rules and regulations and then like leaves us to handle the world, right? Yeah. Like he, he interacted with everyone. Well, throughout the Bible, I shouldn't say everyone. I shouldn't make that claim. But throughout the Bible, you do see him humanity and he continues to interact with us on a day-to-day basis yeah right we are allowed to have a relationship with him and i think that that is so cool that we serve a god who invites us to partner with Mm. him and um one thing that i have really been learning about this year that has just completely shifted my view of god in a good way um is the idea of this covenantal love that is often missed on our Western society because covenants aren't really, they don't carry the same weight Hmm. and they're not something that we do regularly. Like I, like I do not, I mean, marriage obviously, but I'm not married. Like, I think that that's pretty, like pretty much the only modern day example of a covenant that we make on a regular basis yeah we make treaties but even in america our treaties don't mean much of anything like we have violated every single native american treaty that we ever made um they don't they just don't mean anything to us right Mm. and um even our divorce rate is so high so just i have just really been exploring what a covenant you know, would have meant to an ancient Near Easterner, an Israeli or Israelite, you know, Mm -hmm. back in the day. And I've 
listen to um, the Bama podcast is phenomenal and they really dig into this. But um, something that I discovered was back then they had what were known as suzerain vassal treaties. Hmm. The closest comparison I can think of is um, in the in the Middle Ages, they had um, you had a serf and a lord. I think many of us may be familiar with that. You had a lord who owned property, and then the serf worked for the lord, and they had this treaty between them. Hmm. Um, that's kind of the closest comparison between a suzerain vassal treaty. Um, but basically, you had the suzerain who was the you know lord making a treaty with a vassal, which was like the weaker of the two, and they would enter into this covenant. And um, one of them was responsible for carrying a symbol of their treaty. And most of the responsibility fell on the vassal, the Mm. the weaker party. What, What we see in the Bible is that God takes on both the role of the suzerain and the vassal. He says, I'm going to enter into this covenant with you. I'm going to partner with you. You are the people that I'm choosing to partner with. Yeah. And my, uh, my plan to restore humanity. But I'm going to shoulder all of the responsibility, all of the blame. Mm. If this covenant is broken. Mm. And when you view it that way, the Old Testament God becomes a lot more gracious, a lot more loving, a lot less vengeful yeah. than we think. Um, and that's not something that you can glean from a surface level read. Yeah. And things like that are what make historical and literary context so important because you can't, you wouldn't know that just by reading through the Bible in your morning devotions without some outside help yeah and and even talking about allowing uh us to see god's love and us to have a great gratitude and love for this god that we read about in the old testament i even think of when adam and eve uh stepped outside of uh god's desire and ate of the fruit of the tree um there's that verse you know you will surely die right Mm-hmm. Um, God could have just said, you know what, I'm going to start over, uh, didn't work out. Right. But mm-hmm. God then says in Genesis three 15, that he is going to put enmity between the woman's, uh, offspring and this serpent. Right. And mm-hmm. from that, uh, we start to see these covenants start to blossom out in this narrative all the way up until you know, to Jesus's death on a cross. Um, So it's beautiful that we even see that started in the creation narrative and just kind of blossom out through that. We see God's nature and God's characteristics uh, within those covenants blossoming out in the, in the stream of the biblical narrative, but totally, I love the historical uh, approach that you uh, take with the, um, uh, suzerain and vassal um, uh, approach because I just think that's really interesting. You don't hear that every day. No, you don't. And I think um, even going beyond suzerain vassal covenants, they also the covenants also draw parallels mm, between yeah. ancient Near Eastern marriages, right? Like right. if you think about Sinai, 
the author, what he's, what the writer is doing is he's uh, setting it up as like a wedding, hmm. right? Yeah. Moses goes up to get the, the tablets and while he's um, up on the mountain. <laughs> um, yeah, the Israelites. Israel are... <laughs> does some really not cool things and um, basically have an affair. Like they cheat on God. Moses comes down you know, gets angry, but then he goes back up and God gives him a fresh set of tablets. Hmm. And in the Bama podcast, um, Marty Solomon describes it as, um, you know, they're at this wedding, the bride decides to go off and cheat on the groom with the best man. And all the guests are just, you know, rioting. They're like, oh my goodness, they're freaking out. Like what, like, why would she do that? And God is the groom trying to calm everyone down like all right mm. where were we like everyone get back in your seats like 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 let's pick up where we left off and i think that that shows the nature of god in such a profound way right it really demonstrates his patience because we we tend to think that if we mess up one time like oh my gosh like that was it that was the last straw you know god's gonna like just send a cloud of fire down and destroy me. Like I've definitely thought that before. Like that's how I felt at times. Um, But I think that, I think that he is so merciful and so gracious and he loves us so much that he is, he is willing to send us a second set of um, tablets, you know? Right. Totally. And, and just think when Moses does go back up for the new tablets, right? Um, we're, t- we're looking at Exodus 34, right? Mm-hmm. And God declares elements of his name to Moses, right? And this is before Moses bows on, uh, gets down on his hands and knees and bows to the Lord. And God says, the Lord, the Lord, Yahweh, Yahweh, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. But yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children of their children for the sin of their parents into the third and fourth generation. And it it shows God's anger towards sin, but it shows God's Mm -hmm. love of forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Right after what you uh, describe um, this, this almost, uh, you know, the Israelites cheating um, and God declares himself as that. I, I think that's a beautiful, beautiful declaration that God makes about who he is and his nature. Definitely. But um, I, I honestly, I'm very excited to continue this conversation. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, We're going to be talking about the biblical story from a new, um, an Old Testament concealed lens to a New Testament revealed lens. And we'll be talking about hyperlinks and framework with that. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. So biblical story, Old Testament concealed, New Testament revealed. And that's the way it's always been communicated to me as I was kind of growing up, uh, learning from different pastors. Um, 
And I really like that because it kind of shows how both work hand in hand. Um, so, yeah. That's so funny because I actually had never heard that until right before we decided to take a break for this podcast. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's such an interesting way to say that. Yeah, because it kind of shows how they, you know, they work together. Um, you know, so I always, uh, there's this one, I think, rap lyric. Um, I forget who the Christian rapper is, but he always says, you know, the book doesn't end with Malachi. And I, I actually think it's Chance the Rapper, believe it or not. <laughs> um, so I really, really like that lyric too. But um, there's okay. such an importance with connecting the biblical narrative from Old Testament to New Testament. It's a good framework and it leads uh, into some awesome discussions, some interesting theology. And uh it, it's really really uh cool and i love it when biblical scholars do go into this uh connecting narrative uh something you and i were talking about anna on the on the phone today was my love for portland pastors i guess mm-hmm. i have a type with, with <laughs> biblical scholars but um two of my favorite uh, are tim mackey and john mark Comer. Uh, John Mark Comer is a pastor out in Portland, Oregon, and he has a wonderful book called Garden City. Uh, you can find it on Amazon or any book distributor. Uh, but in Garden City, he talks about how the Genesis narrative has a lot of narrative connections with Revelation. We need to think about the Bible as a connecting story from Genesis to Revelation. So he kind of unpacks all of the uh, words that um, are brought up in Revelation that were written in the Pentateuch in Genesis. So um, I-, I love it when biblical scholars get into this big, long, overarching, connecting narrative. 100%. Um, I totally agree with that. Um, one thing I have been thinking about quite a bit in it uh, is just kind of dovetailing off what you said. Uh, one thing that we have to recognize is that we can make the Bible say anything we want mm, when we yeah. don't take context into consideration. If we just cherry pick verses out of the Bible, you know, and don't think about how they connect to the larger story it can, it can say whatever we want it to say. And one example of this, um, everyone knows this example, which is why I chose it. And it's <laughs> definitely been true in my own life. Um, but I'm just going to quickly, let's see how quickly I can do this. We're going to quickly look at Jeremiah 29, 11, which is the popular uh, verse that you see written on graduation cards and things like that, which is not bad. I'm not condemning anyone who has gotten a graduation card because it's a beautiful verse but it's a lot richer within its context and I'm going to try to show you why um, anyway so Jeremiah 11 Jeremiah 29 11 this is in the ESV translation for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord plans for welfare and not for evil to give you future and a hope hmm. now one, we like to think that this just means, I'm, I don't know, for me, I have found comfort when um, I've had a big career disappointment or, you know, something in life, something mm. really big doesn't go my way. You know, I like to remind myself that God is sovereign and God has got a plan, which is 1000% true. That's just an indisputable fact. But 
when we think about the context in which this was written, this was a people who were going into exile after refusing to repent for their sin. They had been given chance after chance to turn back and they didn't. So Hmm. they faced, so in this, in, in this story, they are reaping the consequences of their actions, but in God's goodness and his mercy, he is Hmm. still saying, I still love you. Like you are not lost. Like this is not the end for you. You know, like you do have to own up to what you did, but this is not the end of the story. And I think that that just, it just, in such a way that when we just pick it out of its, of its context, we don't really get the same god like this is a god who still wants the best for them still has Mm. a plan for them he still loves them like at our darkest when we are in the middle of our worst sins god does not abandon us he still loves us he lovingly corrects us but he reminds us that he's got a plan that we get to be a part of he is still Like when we are at our absolute worst, you know, like blackout drunk on the side of the road, like when that happens, God still invites us to be a part of the broader. Mm. He is still. And that is so much richer in its context than just, you know, putting it on like, yeah, God knows the plans he has for you. He does, but yeah. there's so much more to it than that. And right. I think that that is something really important that we have to keep in mind. And we need to, when we read verses like that, we need to take a step back after reading that passage and say, now, how does this fit into that broader narrative? Right. Like, how does this fit into the story? How does this verse point me to Christ? Because the entire Bible Old Testament and New Testament, it all points to Christ. He is the center of the story, which is so easy to forget. Yeah. I mean, something that I mean, I'm super passionate about is this thing called uh, Bible Bible hyperlinking. Um, it's kind of a, a term that was coined by by Tim Mackey, but it's one that I hopped on the train with um, and it's taking uh, the contextual words, right, that we find in different books of the Bible and being able to see those passages, words, phrases linked throughout the entire biblical narrative. So um, let's help kind of define out what biblical hyperlinks are, because you might be listening to this and being like, what the heck is he talking about? (laughs) So um, I'll just kind of use an analogy for this. So say I am emailing Anna and I am telling her about how great Auntie Auntie Anne pretzels are, right? They have some really good cinnamon pretzels Mm -hmm. and they are um, at, uh, they're being sold at the Woodland Mall, right? Anna. Uh, so that's a mall out in, out in Grand Rapids, right? So I'm sending you an email. And in this email, I want you to know uh, about uh, some other pretzels that they have. So I might use a word 
and add a link to it so you can hover your cursor over it and it links you to something else that I that you might have previously known about or I might have previously known about but the person reading the email might be like oh I wonder what that links to right so as we're reading our our bibles there might be a word that we read and we think wow that's a really interesting word um that's a a really uh just fascinating word choice there um so one of the examples i think of is the word beasts which appears in genesis and later appears in the book daniel when they're describing what nebuchadnezzar is becoming so that word beasts uh, links to the fall um, when Adam and Eve started acting like beasts of the field. So um, that's just an example of a biblical hyperlink uh, right there. So um, I know, Anna, you're passionate about learning from your different study Bibles. There's footnotes and, and study uh, parts in your Bible uh, that help link things. So what study Bible do you, you use? Oh man, so many, <laughs> but um, my favorite one, I have, I'll just give you my top two. I have an archeology span study Bible, okay. which has various articles about different archeological finds and how archeology span uh, reinforces the Bible, you know, the truth that's in the Bible, we have found evidence, archaeological evidence um, for that. And in it, it's got, if you read a passage uh, and you, you say you read a verse in a chapter and you think, I've heard that before. Where have I heard that? And you can go to the side or the bottom, depending on what Bible you have. Um, There will be little numbers at the bottom Mm -hmm. in a bold black lettering indicating the verse and then next to it will have other references in the bible Mm. that you can go to where that very thing has been discussed and that is really helpful so the archaeological sorry i can't talk the archaeological study bible is one and then the apologetics study bible is another phenomenal um if you're interested in apologetics at any level that is a great resource and you can find both of them on lifeway baker bookhouse any of those big (laughs) top sellers yeah but yeah so study bibles can really be a useful resource when trying to pick up on biblical hyperlinks um because i always you know sometimes i'll be reading uh scripture and i'll say like oh this this word, um, I, I think I've become hyper aware of the word um, uh, apocalypse, right? Or mm-hmm. or to reveal uh, because I've been listening to uh, Tim Tim and John's podcast series on the Bible Project on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you know where does that word link to? How can we understand uh, the word apocalypse? And then of course I end up going to a concordance or uh, or a vine vines. Uh, the biblical dictionary and trying mm-hmm. to learn more on the on the word um but another key uh way in which we can start to look at these biblical hyperlinks at larger depth is biblical hyperlinks of passages too of scripture um mm-hmm. one example uh that comes to mind is john's prologue 
when he talks about, you know, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. Our mind should automatically go to Genesis, right? With right. that opening, um, talking about uh, establishing Trinitarian theology there that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit were all together. Um, Jesus is not a new concept that just appears, right? He was right. with God in the beginning. Uh, it points to him in the New Testament. Right. Um, and John's establishing that in his prologue in John, uh, the Gospel of John, chapter one. So uh, those hyperlinks really help establish this flow of biblical narrative um, as we read. Um, yeah, so knowing hyperlinks is so important to helping construct a Zach. biblical. Yeah, you cut out. Oh no, am I back? You're back. Okay, I am. I'm sorry if I was lost, but now I'm found. As just the tail end of what you <laughs> said, and then there was just silence for a couple seconds. Oh, I was just saying how. Um, yeah, so we hope that this was helpful for you and just gave you an appreciation for context and why it's so important. I know that um, theologians definitely can take this to the extreme and overemphasize the importance of context, right. but um, which is not our goal here, but um, just to kind of show you that it it really enriches your walk with God, like your Bible study time and uh, it helps it helps emphasize different aspects or characteristics of God that you wouldn't mm-hmm. notice otherwise. Um, yeah, and it just really helps you understand like how significant what he did, like how significant that is. Um, so yeah, that was kind of our goal with this podcast. We hope it was helpful and challenging for you. Um, Zach, did you have any announcements? Today? Yeah, so few announcements is just uh, again the first one being we're now available on uh, Google Podcasts. So feel free to check us out on the Android app, Google Podcast. Also, continue to uh, if you can write reviews, leave us your comments, leave us your. Um, you cut out it. You cut out again. It keeps disconnecting. Oh no. Um, yeah, all I was saying is just uh, keep uh, seeing where we are, uh, where our podcasts are being released. Uh, we're just on Google Podcasts. Um, also, continue to connect with us. Uh, we want to hear from you guys. So, uh, Anna, do you want to give them our email? Our email is azerpodcast at gmail.com. That's just E-Z-E-R-P-O-D-C-A-S-T at gmail. Uh, you can email us there with any comments, questions, concerns. And we're also in the process of trying to put together some stuff that we can email out to you guys. Uh, we're trying to get together. We were toying with creating um, an email list. So that's new as well. Um, but Anna, what are some resources if people want to continue to learn and grow? What are some good resources for them to uh, look into? I think the Bible Project is a phenomenal resource. They really, it's a really good starter resource and just gives you the basics, um, very complicated theological ideas that are very easy for, 
you know, an ordinary person to understand. Like you don't have to have a theological degree from Oxford to be able to grasp what they discuss, which is really really nice and they get into some really deep things and it's very cool they have a podcast a youtube channel um the other one that i personally use quite a bit is the bema project or the bema podcast bema podcast they are phenomenal as well and i learned so much from them um they really dig into the bible from an eastern thought perspective Mm. so they give a lot of uh, literary historical and cultural context that's awesome. Uh, I just want to again apologize for the technical difficulties. This is the joy of hosting a podcast from many <laughs> states away. Uh, but again, we want to thank all listeners like yourself for tuning in, hearing Anna and I banter back and forth, wrestle through questions, wrestle through different thoughts, and just allowing you to be a part of that ride. Again, we want to hear what you guys are thinking. Feel free to connect with us on Instagram and also our email. We'll have some announcements coming out soon um, in our outro. So thanks again, guys. That wraps up our episode for today. And we just wanted to thank you so much for listening. A few exciting things we wanted to let you know about is we will be launching our new Instagram account. With some technical difficulties with our other account, we will launch the new one here very soon, so be sure to be on the lookout for that. Also, Anna will be starting some Instagram live videos in the up-and-coming weeks where she will be discussing Bible study tips and how to study the Bible in depth. She will be sharing some hacks that will encourage fruitful Bible studying for everyone. Lastly, Anna and I will start to share some book resources with you either starting this week or next week Uh, we want to be able to share what we are reading and some other books that we believe can encourage learning for the glory of god again thank you for listening to this episode of the azer podcast i'm zach see you guys here next week